Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are out on the road today and at a functioning barbecue business, so you'll hear some noise in the background, but hey, we're doing our best. Um, let's talk about our sponsor, Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. Texas Monthly Barbecue Club is your home for everything Texas barbecue, as you may well know. The Texas Monthly Barbecue Club is a great way to dive further into your barbecue obsession and connect with other Q-crazed folks in the community like us and get incredible perks and insider opportunities with the best of the best in barbecue. Yeah, one of the really exciting things that they're introducing in 2022 is access to TMBBQ Club member-only events. Um, They're going to be held throughout the year and it's going to be exclusive to people that have subscribed to the Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. It's going to be intimate you're going to get to interact with different people in the barbecue world so it's a it's a really great great function and feature that they're uh, introducing this year and you get that welcome package as soon as you sign up including that retro classic embroidered barbecue free cap which is only available through the texas monthly barbecue club bandana a texas monthly apron with a workwear patch and that barbecue freak sticker other things you also get uh, andrew mentioned about access to the members only events you get access to exclusive club perks from barbecue joints like discounts free items Cut the line passes. I'm going to repeat that. Cut the line passes. Um, And more. Calendar listings of highlighted joint events, specials, and discounts provided to us by the top 50 joints and other joints across Texas. And the online interactive things they're doing are really cool too. Deep dive interviews, uh, taste testing videos, including a video that um, they recently released with Daniel Vaughn and Pat Sharp, editor of Texas Monthly. They did a taste test of the barbecue at today's guest, and let's jump right into it. Our guest today is uh, John Bates with uh, Interstellar Barbecue. Interstellar Barbecue, Texas Monthly's number two ranked barbecue joint on the 2021 Top 50 list. And that's a, a huge accomplishment. And congratulations to you and your team on that. Thank you. Um, but we're going we're gonna to take it back to the beginning before we get to, to where we are today. So let's start with you, with John. Let, tell us about your cooking background and, and how, you know, how you started in this whole culinary world. Um, well, so I'm a lifelong cook. I uh, started my uh, illustrious career as a dishwasher. Um, paid my dues in the dish pit for several months. As one does. Uh, and from there, it's just been cooking, uh, you know, with my heart through many different restaurants, uh, different styles, types of cuisines, so forth and so on. And I'm probably coming up on close to 30 years in the restaurant business. And now I'm doing barbecue. And so you started out, um, was Noble Pig your first business venture? Yeah, yeah. After working, you know, so many years running other people's restaurants, basically being the owner, which is the kind of ownership you have to take to, like, be successful running somebody else's business, um, I decided that it was time to be the boss (laughs) and open up my own place, (laughs) which, you know, was a blessing and a curse. But, uh, yeah, that was our first, my, my first like actual business and most your was your cooking career mostly in and around the austin area or did you cook all over the state all over the country or um so i've been around a little bit i grew up in south texas uh corpus christi is my hometown and i uh, learned how to cook down there that's where i uh, kind of got my start i uh, worked at a lot of steakhouses wild game places uh, a great american seafood restaurant out in port aransas and then i've also spent some time uh, on the west coast cooking in portland oregon uh, did cuban creole food out there Landed back in Austin, gosh, 15, 20 years ago now, and uh, worked in some restaurants here in the Austin area. So I, I have to ask, Port Aransas and Aransas Pass, Big Fisherman? 
Uh, I love fishing. Place. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, no, I mean the restaurant called Big Fisherman. Do you oh, remember oh that uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that place. Had a, yeah. had a little bit of a zoo and everything in <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, that place was a trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so as you uh, continued down your career, what, what, how did those things influence your entry into Noble Pig? And tell us a little bit about the Noble Pig design. Uh, so, Noble Pig was my ode to the sandwich as a sh- trained chef and lifelong cook. Uh, I would often go home after cooking, like, you know, the amazing, amazing ingredients from, like, local farms and great uh, ranches and the best seafood. Um, I would go home and make myself a sandwich. That was, like, my go-to meal. So uh, Noble was kind of, like, bringing all my skills that I learned over the years in, in kitchens and cooking uh, to a format that I thought needed a little bit of a updating, dusting off, because there wasn't... You know, now there's a ton of great sandwiches in Austin, but back then there wasn't really anybody doing, like, nice sandwiches. So well, I'd say uh, growing up here in Austin, too, I mean, Thundercloud and, yeah. and Schlotzky's. I mean, but those were, those were packaged meats, so yeah. you, were, you were doing something different at Noble. Yeah, no, Noble was, a, was an all-scratch affair. I mean, it was a, a, cook's, a cook's kitchen, a real cook's restaurant. Um, it, you know, we baked all of our bread from scratch. Uh, daily. Uh, we started out with two types of bread, eventually expanded to seven different versions. Uh, rise, um, brioche, making your own buns, all of our own sliced bread. Uh, for a while we even had this mad creation that we called bacon bread that we would use for sandwiches. Um, you know, uh, house-made pickles of several varieties, um, made our own sauces, cured our own meats. All of our stuff was cooked to order, uh, all made from scratch. Um, the only compromise we made in our food was to buy kettle chips, because I love kettle chips. Um, and, but yeah, everything else we made in the restaurant, we made to order. So I had a, f- a full team of real cooks uh, making sandwiches to order in a you know, quick service format like sandwiches. So, so one might say you're the Tom Micklewaite of the sandwich world back in those days. I mean, that's, you know, the, the whole from scratch method for a sandwich shop was unheard of. You yeah. know, I mean, it probably... I don't know anyone's doing it now, much less back then. This was, what, circa 2010 or so? Maybe yeah. Salt and Time is the closest, but it's yeah, not a sandwich shop. shop. Yeah, yeah, it's not a sandwich shop. Yeah, no, we opened up in 2010, so. Um, and, and I don't know if I would do it again the same <laughs> way. I've learned a few lessons. But at the time, yeah, the goal was to, like, bring, like, chef-style cooking to a uh, quick-service fast-food format. So, so after a you know, really successful run doing that for many, many years, um, understand you were ready for a change uh, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about you know what led to you deciding okay it's time for me to do something a little different in the culinary world well i mean so i spent my whole career deliberately only working at restaurants for two to three year stretches uh, once i committed i was there for at least 24 months at a bare minimum because uh, i chose that place for a reason so in order to get that knowledge you got to stay there for a bit um but so you know, I'm kind of a train wanderlust kind of cook. Like, I shouldn't be at a place for more than three years. And when I had been at Noble uh, for almost 10 years, that would have been essentially three restaurants I could have worked in. So it's getting a little bit of wanderlust. Um, you know, it was a great concept, and it worked really well. But uh, it just, we weren't, like, getting further down the road towards long-term goals. It was really stressful, and it was just time to, like, reevaluate what the priorities were and find a format that we could do that we could do passionately with uh, that we could serve something we're really happy about but also maybe try to come up with a better version of a restaurant for us personally as like how we live our lives now with with sandwiches obviously it, it is a meat focus and you were you were brining you were pastrami mm-hmm. uh, all of that what made the decision to go into smoked meats barbecue well, so when we were deciding to change things up, it was like, 
you know, we're, we weren't going to have a big, big income to like build out a whole new restaurant. So we need to turnkey this space. Uh, so we started thinking about like, well, what would be uh, appropriate or easy like steps in a new direction? And we did a lot of smoking at Noble. I mean, we smoked our, our duck pastrami. Um, we smoked brisket at one point in time. Um, we smoked a lot of bacon. We had a big uh, Frederick uh, rotisserie style smoker at the restaurant. So we were doing a lot of smoked meats already. And I love barbecue. I mean, you know, native born Texan, like love it as much as anybody else. So why not, uh, why not test the waters with barbecue and see if that might be the right direction? So, so what was your reference for barbecue? Um, as, as you were deciding to go into business yourself, first, kind of what was your influence, but then what were you targeting as, as an output? I mean, my preference for barbecue is growing up with the family and seeing it being cooked for weddings. Um, just as a foodie, you know, if I was, whenever we travel, I would like map out, all right, we're going to eat here, we're going to eat here, we're going to eat here, we're going to visit this brewery, we got to go check out this distillery, and then I would ask my wife and kids, what else are we going to do? Because that's all I care about. <laughs> that's my priority. Sound, sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess in professional barbecue, like the, the reference point, I guess the aha moment that kind of made me think that maybe I should go in that direction was my first visit to uh, Truth in Brenham. Um, wasn't even considering barbecue at this point in time, just was a foodie. And uh, we stopped there because I saw it was on the Texas Monthly List. I knew nothing about it. And when we rolled in and ordered the food, I was just extraordinarily impressed with uh, the quality of the meats. Um, I was like, they're making their own pickles. They're making these badass cakes. Um, everything from that restaurant was like, like reminded me of like the kind of place that I would want to run because they were doing it the right way. Uh, and it wasn't crazy busy, but... Um, everybody was super nice and was super chill and it was just one of the best barbecue meals I'd ever had. So when we decided to do barbecue, that was very much a point of inspiration for me. It's like, well, you know, if we're going to do barbecue, we need to, we need to be like this guy. This guy's amazing. We can't like, you know, give up all the stuff we did noble necessarily and become some kind of prepackaged lame version of, of barbecue. We wanted to like still like bring those skills and so that was a big inspiration point it, it was it was funny that you mentioned pickles because at, at that time there was only a handful of people tom mickleway i mean there's it wasn't anywhere near as common as it is now yeah. so it, it's kind of funny that's become more and more the norm when we eat a a, a jarred pickle now at a restaurant we just like it, it's a shock yeah, because a we're jarring. so used yeah. to the other way yeah even though we yeah. ate them our whole lives growing up now yeah. if you have one it's like wait this this isn't what I'm used to eating. For, for me, that, that little, like, at that point in time, kind of before it became more common, for me, that was a reference point of, like, this guy cares about everything on the platter, like a chef. That was, like, why that stood out to me so much, because I had never been to a barbecue place where they were making their own pickles. Yeah, so. and I think that's, you know, that's, to me, that's one of the biggest changes that we've seen in barbecue these last several years is, like, as you said, caring about everything on the tray. Because for the longest time, it was about fantastic meats and the rest you guys figure out. Yeah. You know, either they, some places might not serve sides or they'd have the most basic sides, beans dumped straight from a can, you know, green beans maybe dumped straight from a can, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, as we've seen the progression of barbecue these last several years, it's been taking care of every single item that's going to go, you know, onto the customer's plate. And that's something that we've definitely seen here at Interstellar as well you know, obviously a conscious choice that you guys made. So as you start launching this, you know, how did the menu start to develop for you, you know, in your head and in, in execution in terms of like what you wanted Interstellar to be? 
Um, I want an interstellar to be the kind of restaurant I want to go eat at. I cook for my stomach. You know, that's my point of view for a lot of our food nowadays. I'm just kind of cooking for my heart and the things that I would enjoy eating, first and foremost. Um, but yeah, that's, that's always the starting point for us. And then it was like, it's barbecue, um, it's Texas, uh, we're in Austin. Um, so making sure that we got the center of the plate right, you know, uh, doing brisket in the right way, doing uh, ribs hopefully in the right way, but with our own little touch. Um, that was kind of the starting point, and it was a lot of trial and error, um, working with my team of amazing people that you know helped me do this. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wish I had a better answer, but it, that's kind of it. I mean, I cook the food I want to eat. From from so many breads, pickles, and so many different meats at Noble to barbecue, it's actually a little bit of a simplification of what you were doing before. Sure. Um, what as you got into barbecue, what was some of the more difficult things that I, I'm not going to say you weren't prepared for, but that, that you know, it was a little, a little over the top versus what you were kind of expecting. I mean, I don't know if I, there's anything that's really stood out that I wasn't prepared for. I mean, cooking in so many different types of restaurants and, and working as a professional cook, um, I feel like there's, it's pretty rare nowadays when something surprises me. <laughs> it's, it's almost kind of fun. It's like, oh, shit, I never thought about that. You know, <laughs> that's weird. Um, so, but it's, I guess, you know... Um, the passion that the customer has for barbecue, um, amazing and, and, and sometimes a little surprising. Um, you know, it's a lot of long hours. Uh, I guess the, the surprising thing is, and it probably sounds kind of weird, it's just it's, I found it surprisingly chill and uh, enjoyable format of a restaurant to run. Just coming from the stressful environment that I had with the previous restaurant, uh, it was too much. It was like, it was literally gonna kill me if I kept running that sandwich shop. Um, <laughs> with with barbecue, it's been just so much more zen. Uh, it's a smaller menu. We cook with as much passion and work just as hard on the food. And I probably work more hours than I did before, but it's just a it's a much more enjoyable restaurant to run. And the pace pace of um, prep. The, yeah, I love the pace of the prep. I love the the style, the cooking, the the true definition of like slow cooking. Um, you know, doing it from. Uh, historically hopefully the right point of view and cooking with good ingredients and taking your time um, you know doing it the right way uh, cooking in small batches as opposed to cooking um, you know large format I mean for us uh, well, I, uh, the I idea of uh, keeping it small is is meaningful and I guess one of the things with barbecue that you know other people that haven't worked in other culinary aspects might not think about is most of your, you know, so much of your work is done before the door's ever open to the customers. Yeah. You know, as opposed to any sort of a la menu restaurant. You know, it's where, yes, you still have to slice it and plate it and then everything like that. But, you know, the, the vast majority of the effort that goes into the final product is done often hours before the customer ever sees it. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love most about this place. Like when we open up the doors, um, the, the, the hardest part of the day is pretty much done. Now it's just about, like, serving food. Like, I will never... I'll never be on a line again with a printer in a kitchen getting tickets <laughs> from waiters uh, and from uh, getting yelled at by a kitchen manager. Uh, it, like like that, old, that traditional old school style of running a restaurant, you know, order fire, uh, all of my new cooking. Um, it's like, I'm just, I'm so done with it. Like now I, I work really hard to resist the temptation to do anything order fire because I just, I just like this style of cooking so much. I guess there's a bit of a, a taper at the end of the day too, as meat start to run out, and sure. like it, it's almost like every day ends where 
in, in another type of business, every day is like Groundhog Day. Yeah. I mean, there is an aspect of Groundhog Day here, too, because, I mean, we're having to constantly prep the whole time. Like, I have a prep team that works the entire shift. And, you know, as soon as I'm done with the line and service, I'm out to the pit to check on what's going on with the meets and where we're at with that progression. I mean, uh, it's not any – there's not less work necessarily, and it's like a flat circle. It's always kind of doing the same thing over and over. But um, it's just, for me, just the more pleasant version of a restaurant. So the customers that, you know, that the loyal customers you had for all those years at Noble Pig, Noble Sandwich Company, did, did a lot of them transfer over to Interstellar fans? Or did you introduce yourself to a whole new audience? Or how did that work for you? Uh, it's been a little bit of both. Uh, I would say about half of our guests were, like, uh, pretty disappointed. Um, some of those people never came back because they just... Like, why do we want to go to a barbecue place? We come here because it's not a barbecue place. And you're going to become a barbecue place, and we don't want barbecue. All right. Well, you should come try it out. It's not going to suck. I mean, we're probably going to do a pretty good job, but, you know, at least give us a chance. But we did lose a core audience that never came back. Um, A good portion of our guests, though, did come in and give us, you know, a shot. And a lot of those have transitioned over to be, you know, still regulars that I've seen now for you know, close to 12 years. I've seen their kids grow up and graduate and go off to college. I cooked some of their first meals on dates and then have in turn cooked dinners for them uh, as married couples. I've done their weddings. Um, I've done their baby showers. I've seen this amazing, like, uh, life of people coming through the restaurant for the last 10 years, so. Barbecue itself is very, very generational as well. You yeah. Know, you, it, it's that connection and community. You, you know, what he was mentioning earlier about different restaurants and, and so it kind of reminded me of One Fifth as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's one of Chris Shepard's concepts where he had a lease for five years on a, on a building and he wanted to make it a totally different restaurant every year. Oh, that's cool. And, and so he went through like there was a One Fifth red sauce Italian mm-hmm. version, a Mediterranean version, a steakhouse version. And so it kept things interesting. I mean, and I guess you know when you've had a career, you know that's had, that's been as storied and as long as you have, you know that you want that reinvigoration and, and keep it interesting. So man, it's fun. Uh, he's crazy though. I don't know if I could reinvent a restaurant every <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe every two years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean that, yeah. that's that's a lot more work than I think most of us would ever want to put in. But but Shepard's always been a, a bit of a different animal. Yeah, he's an overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the interstellar menu and, and everything that you guys serve here. So what's I mean, obviously you've got the core items of your brisket, your ribs. You're doing you do housemade sausage. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about the well, we refer to it now thanks to Dane Weaver as the sausage program because that's a that's Dane's favorite phrase for it. So tell us about the interstellar sausage program. Um, so uh, I was a big charcuterie and sausage nerd uh, going back the last twenty years. I've got more books on charcuterie and sausage than anybody should probably own. Uh, So the sausage program from day one was going to be a big part of what we were doing here. Um, And really like uh, doing it the the right way from a professional kitchen standpoint. So being very cognitive and aware of time and temperature, um, having uh, like we have a set blade and grinding die that they're married. Um, we get them sharpened, we take care of them, um, we run it like you would if you were running a professional like butcher shop. Um, Ray, our guy in the kitchen, uh, he trained as a butcher, so uh, that's all he's done is meat cutting, ran butcher shops, and uh, he's been with us forever. But um, it's a big deal. It's a great way to use up um, trim. We create a lot of waste, trimming briskets and trimming ribs and uh, pork belly and getting all that product ready for the smokers so I knew that we would need an outlet for it and sausage can be way more creative than brisket 
So uh, Amen. it's a little yeah, more fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the other reason we take sausage pretty serious. So, so what are some of the creative sausages that, that have been on the rotation in Interstellar? Um, well, we've done a bunch of different things. We've done Asian-style sausages. We've done Mayo to South Texas. Um, the ones that have stuck around and have become kind of more main mainstay items, um, we'll run as like a special every week. So we do a Frito pie sausage that's got uh, chunks of cheddar and uh, black bean and roasted poblano and uh, corn in there. Um, the Mayo to like South Texas, we call it the Texano. And it's got roasted serrano, comino, Mexican oregano, tomato, Oaxaca cheese in it. Um, right now we're doing an Italian sausage. It's a nice spicy Italian with like lots of cheese in it. Um, and then we'll do other variations over time. Um, really, it's just like whatever we're kind of getting geeked out about. I think my next venture is to make a turkey sausage that doesn't suck. Because uh, it would be nice to add some variety to the, the sausage format. As, as far as sausage making, is there any, what do you think at least is the most critical piece of making a good sausage? Temperature. And, and It's everything. And go into that a little bit. Yeah, it, uh, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, so like for us, it's like uh, cubing the meat in, in a cool environment, getting it back into the refrigerator, um, freezing and getting all of our grinding attachments and plates and blades cold uh, in the summertime grinding into a bowl that's over ice. Um, for me, a well-made sausage should be properly emulsified. It shouldn't be grainy. shouldn't have that weird coarse texture. I know that's like a style for some folks where it kind of like To a certain crumbly. extent, yeah, you need it, but you need a bind. Yeah. You know, for me, a crumbly sausage. sausage is a poor made sausage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no matter if you own it and say that's what you want to <laughs> do it, it's, yeah. to me, it's just not the right kind of way to make it. But yeah, so t uh, temperature and timing is like, for me, it's the, it's the biggest part of all of it. Um, you know, getting it out of the, getting it into the walk-in and sometimes even into the freezer to get it really, really cold, like almost to freezing, and then doing the grind. Or uh, getting everything ground and ready to go, and then when you're ready to paddle in the ingredients, like again, take it down so it's super, super cold. And so you're mixing all those ingredients so you, you keep that emulsion together. Because right. that's what it is. It's like a vinaigrette. You've got lean and you've got fat. And to make a good sausage, you've got to emulsify them. And you mentioned paddling in as opposed to using your hands and gloves because yeah. that, that brings the temperature up a lot. Yeah, your hands are hot. It's also yeah. slow. Uh, so it takes you longer to um, get the ingredients in there. Uh, it's harder to get it properly, uh, like, even with your hands. So, yeah, I think using a, a, a big uh, mixer like a Hobart is a great addition to your like sausage tools so we've, we've reached the point in the program where we must talk about the pork belly yes <laughs> the the famous interstellar peach tea glazed pork belly what's the uh, brainchild behind that and what kind of a monster has it turned into uh well the brainchild is again uh, me and warren just wanted to eat pork belly because um, that's how we roll <laughs> so uh let's like at least eat some pork belly and let's make a special out of it so we can justify eating it um, but, you know, we went through a few variations. At Noble, we had been cooking pork belly for forever. I mean, I've been cooking pork belly for, like, 25 years in, like, fine dining restaurants and at the sandwich shop. At the sandwich shop, we smoked it and uh, sliced it and then seared it on the flat top to make uh, a BLT. We called it the PBLT. Ran it with um, a roasted garlic aioli and uh, tomato confit, which is, like, slow-roasted tomatoes, and then romaine lettuce. Um, great sandwich. So uh, we love pork belly, but for this one, I wanted to uh, kind of mimic uh, a good burn end, and we wanted to put kind of a sweet glaze on it. So uh, 
through variations and settle with the peach tea, and that seemed to be the one we enjoyed the most, so that's the one we decided to offer. I mean, I mean, sweet always works with pork belly, it, but it's it's unique and it adds such a dimension to it. It's also a multi-step process; takes yeah. a couple of days. I mean, it, you know, like a, a true burn end, as we would say, of course, is is brisket, but at least it's a twice cooked, and mm -hmm. you you guys are putting it under smoke, putting it on multiple stages of glaze as well. Has that become kind of a uh, a, a bit of an albatross from oh, day to day. <laughs> it's war dogs crossed to bear. <laughs> uh, we, we, we perfected the recipe together. Uh, we both, you know, cook it on the pit. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, it's labor intensive. Um, oddly enough, a lot of times that's the items that are most popular with the guests. <laughs> and we're like, damn it. Why did we do that? Uh, and, and but yeah, now it's gone from what was just a daily special to it has to be on the menu daily if we don't have it pretty much till the end of service. Um, you end up disappointing people. So, you know, they're here. You want to give them a good time. You want to, like, meet those expectations. So we try to make sure that we have it as late into the day as possible. And huge shout-out to Warren, who's very generous with his time this morning, showing us the, the different stages of the of the pork belly. And it was it's impressive to see, you know, how much effort and work goes into all these items. And that's, you know, again, that's what the customer tastes on the plate, but they may not know the whole story of yeah. how it got there. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very... It's a labor of love to put those things together. It is. You know, they taste love. I mean, you taste it in the food. I, when I was a young cook, I used to think it was kind of bullshit that, uh, you know, the guy yelling at me about, where's the love? It's like, you know where the love is? Like, I'm killing myself over here. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't know love. Uh, and ju and just food, as much you can taste when someone doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yes, you do. And now, as a, like, you know, a cook, the cook that's been doing this for a lot longer and a restaurant owner, um, like, I know what he means now. Like, you really can. Even simple food. It's made with love. It's it just presents better it tastes better it, everything about it is right it's got all that positive energy in it uh makes a huge difference so you mentioned um you know the labor let's talk about another dish a side dish the scalloped potatoes yeah <laughs> uh another one that i did not want to put on the menu <laughs> we're so glad you did though yes yeah <laughs> um the scalloped potatoes were um strictly a special like menu item at noble we never sold it to the public. It was always for like weddings or big parties. Um, it was kind of off our big format menu. And it was the, one of the most popular things we served. And when we decided to open up the restaurant, my wife was like, you have to put that on the menu. It's perfect for barbecue. So I am not gonna put that on menu. It's a pain in the ass, I don't wanna make it. Um, it's great, but no, it's way too much work. And I lost that argument. It ended up on the menu, uh, and it's become a crowd favorite from day one. Um, you know, it's it's when people ask me to describe it, I tell them it's it's everything a potato wants. It's cream, it's garlic, it's salt, it's cheese, it's smoke. It's like all the things that just makes a potato like happy. So, and and being scalloped in and of itself adds a layer of of texture to it that yeah. you know you you can't get. We've seen you know lots of lo loaded baked potato salads and things like that. This is, this is a very different dish, of course. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's based off of like my time cooking in other types of restaurants. Yeah, it's, it's a great, and it's you delivering on what you wanted to do, like you know, caring about everything on the plate. And, and the sides are definitely an extension of that here at Interstellar. Sure. You know, one thing that it's, you know, I won't say it's unique to you, but it's one thing that not a lot of modern joints are doing. You guys are serving free beans. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, I mean, it's, it was an old school tradition that some old school places were doing. Uh, Opie's has done it for years. Snow's has done it. Cooper's is famous for it. Sure. Um, what, what went into that decision? Because they, I mean, there are, it, those a, are not just beans out of a can. Right. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, like everything I do in life, I tend to try to make it more difficult. <laughs> 
and overachieve. Like, uh, so yeah, we make an all scratch, uh, like a ranch style bean. It's loaded with brisket, lots of dried chilies. Um, you know, it's, it's a tasty bowl of beans. It's very much inspired by uh, the old school joints. Um, as a younger cook and as a kid, we would travel and we would stop at Cooper's. And I was always very much enamored by the idea that you got done ordering your food and then you could walk out and then portion yourself up some pintos. Um, so that was a way for us to like kind of like a tip of the hat to the places that were before us that paved the way and kind of continue the tradition of doing those little things that I think is what separates Texas barbecue from any type of food in this country. Um, the hospitality that comes from it, uh, you know, that for me, that's a huge part of like the secret sauce, the mix of like making a good barbecue joint. It's like, you gotta like, you gotta care. You know, give your guests something that you would give them if they were at your house, whether that's some free beans or a cold beer while they wait in line, uh, just to let them know that you, you know, you're happy that they're there. So very cool too. You mentioned you mentioned Cooper's, and earlier you mentioned Truth, and kind of those connections to old and new. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a moment about the Space Cowboy series. So also bringing in some new folks into, into yeah. the spotlight. So I'm very new to barbecue. Um, I've never worked owned or ever run a barbecue place prior to interstellar this is my first foray into it um i cooked it at home you know because i love barbecue and eating it everywhere but uh so one of the things that i really wanted to do was like reach out to other barbecue cooks and restaurants and try to like become a part of the community um get to know folks and so what we do is uh once a month when COVID's not screwing things up we invite uh somebody to come cook with us and they're people that we're inspired by. Um, they're our barbecue heroes. Um, there are sometimes like smaller new places that are just getting off the ground, but they're doing really cool stuff. Um, they're just people that I want to cook with and get to know a little bit better. So we invite them into the restaurant. We uh, do a, a menu of specials. You know, typically it's like half and half. Sometimes we collaborate on dishes. Sometimes we just do our own thing. But it's a really great opportunity to bring in uh, people that we would like to get to know and learn from. So. So, you know, Interstellar opens, is chugging along, you know, pandemic hits, that's chaos for everybody. And then, you know, the thing that all these barbecue freaks like us look forward to every four or five years starts to come around, you know, the, the famed Texas monthly barbecue list. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that whole process started, you know, as far as them going out sometime around spring, summer of 2021. And then as the fall came closer and you, and you knew the, the list was coming, what were your, what were your thoughts? Did you did you think you you know do you think hey we we got a shot at making it? Do we have a shot at top ten or what? What were your kind of you know best case scenario? We'll we'll do this. Well, it's been an evolving process for me. <laughs> when we opened up the restaurant, I knew the value and the importance of the top fifty list. I mean, I used it to travel the state to go check out places. Um, our original goal when we opened up was just to hopefully be mentioned in the list. Uh, I think in 17, they had like a 10 best new places. It was kind of like the honorable mentions this time, I think, uh, but it was like up and coming joints. And I was like, man, that'd be so cool if we could make it on like a, that kind of list and be just be part of it, you know, because it's a huge deal. And I figured uh, only being two years in, um, the chances of us doing any like significant movement on that list would be small. Uh, so we were just like, well, you know, let's just let's just try to get mentioned. Best case scenario. Um, we've gone through the short, strange trip of the last two years through COVID. Um, COVID gave me the opportunity to really work on our food a lot. Um, I was really proud of the food we were serving beforehand, um, but 
that downtime really allowed us to really evaluate and work harder on our food. So I think going into 21, uh, we have been uh, serving our best food that we've ever made. So I was like, well, God, maybe we could do a little bit better. And maybe we can get on the list and maybe get listed. That would be super cool. Um, so we were just, you know, cooking our hearts out and doing our best of all of the summer of 21. And, uh, you know, the Daniel Vaughn shows up and, uh, you know, everybody knows who Daniel is. Like I said, if you don't know who Daniel is, you're not doing your job in barbecue. Uh, Serving our best food that we have and, uh, you know, looked like he had a good meal, had a great time. And I was like, well, man, maybe we do got a shot. This would be cool. It would be really great. It would be um, an honor to make that list. So, so we just kind of hanging out and waiting to see what happened. Um, after it kind of all wrapped up, we got our first kind of tell that we might have done pretty well. Um, they called to do some fact checking and, you know, Get the get everything straight. Who we were the cooks? You know, what's this on the menu? Is this on this and that? And I was like, all right, well, I think we made the list. This is like nuts. There's no way we made the list, but it's super cool. I'm super excited. Uh, and then you know, they sent over a photographer to do pictures of food, and we got even more cautiously optimistic. So, um, but it was pretty surprising, to be honest. So, so I mean, absolutely an incredible achievement, number two. Yeah. Um, and this year, the biggest competition ever. I mean, the, the level of competition, the uh, separation between 1 and 50 is much closer than it's ever yeah, been. there's some amazing restaurants on that list, people that are absolutely have been our heroes. And so elation, maybe a little shock, joy, certainly some, some drinks, I would imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of bourbon drinking. <laughs> what, was, what was it like the next week? Um, well, so uh, the day of was just like, you know, we were blown away. And I honestly, when I step back, I'm still like, God, this is so crazy. Like, this, you know, to do this, I mean, I never would have thought that we would do that well. I mean, I've worked really hard in this industry and, and you know, um, good press like that is far and few between. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to achieve. Um, but the day after we opened up, you know, cause we were close, we're close on Mondays and Tuesdays. We always will be. Um, the first day we were open though, um, we were like, well, we better cook up. We need to be prepared. So we cooked what we would normally cook for a Saturday, which honestly is not a whole lot. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> you, you didn't increase after making number two. You, you cooked the same amount of food. Well, yeah. I cooked a Saturday's worth for a Wednesday. Okay. So, okay. Okay. I mean, give me a little credit. We were trying. I, I honestly didn't know what to expect. I mean, I've never been in this situation with Texas Monthly. Have no experience working in barbecue prior to this. So I called a few people and I was like, I mean, even people I knew in the business had never been on the list. So I was coming into this very blind. So I was like, well, we should cook up. Let's cook what we do, would do on a Saturday for a Wednesday. And we got crushed. And we were sold out at like noon. Um, you know, so we, the very next day, we maxed out the pits. And, or the pit. Because <laughs> we only have one at that time. Um, and since then, we've been just trying to cook max pars ever since then. So it's been, it's been great for the business. Uh, it's been especially great for my team. The, the take home for my staff is uh, almost doubled. Uh, it's been the most rewarding Great. thing to see my team benefit from this so much. Uh, it's super amazing. I get one of the smallest checks around here nowadays, and that's badass because these guys work really hard in a business that's very often not respected by the general public, treated like the help, and now they're making, like, they're making good money. I'm really happy for my team. This is the best thing for this whole thing so far has been that. Yeah, I mean that's it's 
it's a life changing thing. It's a business changing thing. Oh, and, yeah. and and again, it's it's not just changed your life. It's changed the lives of your staff. You know, and it and it's also changed the expectations of everyone that walks through the door. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which yeah, I know we we talked before we started recording, and it's you know the proverbial target on your back. Sure. You know, which is which is a great thing and also a nerve wracking thing. Yeah. Um, so so. You're not going to cook any differently, obviously. Why would you change what's clearly been working? No, uh, I, I mean, I feel, like I said, I felt like we were cooking our best food ever. There's no reason to change something that you think works. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the idea of it. You know, like, uh, it's, it's passionate food. It's our national cuisine. People come in here, and they're either, like, they have super high expectations, or they're going to come in and say, well, there's no way this place is that good. So let's go find out what's going on. So, yeah, it's a huge kind of, like, target and, you know, uh, challenge and it's well, fun i love it and overnight you went from you know a local neighborhood place to a destination place yeah. that people from outside of texas are going to be reading this magazine or you know googling this as they're making their visits to austin and oh this this place is the you know highest rated place in austin the number two place in the state so you're going to be that first bite for people going forward our regulars in the know that knew about the list I think we're the most pissed off people when that list drops. I live just around the corner from Tejas, and when they hit the list the last time, I was so upset (laughs) because (laughs) there was no line before. It was great. I mean, absolutely great for them, but yeah, you know, like eh, it's a double-edged sword. It really is. I mean, you know, we were just a quiet, sleepy little barbecue joint doing our best to make the best food we could and to survive a very challenging environment. And we had amazing regulars that would come in every day and. we haven't seen a lot of them for the last three months, and that's a bummer because, you know, uh, they don't want to deal with the crowds. They loved us because they could get high quality food and not have to wait for, you know, it was 45 it was their now. secret. Like, it was their secret yeah, they didn't want to share. Yeah, and I was like, come yeah, on, you gotta yeah. tell some people. Cause <laughs> I'm dying over here. I gotta pay some bills. Yeah. So you gotta tell some more folks <laughs> about me. Um, but we're starting to see some of them come back now um, as things have kind of like settled in and we've gotten to our groove. There are uh, times of the day where it's easier to get in and out. And so whenever I see a regular, I'm like, hey, come here, let's talk. And I'll tell them, like, here's your, here's your game plan. Here's how you get in and out of here without having to worry about it. Got it. So, so um, you mentioned, you know, when, when the list hit and you were running on a, a single pit for the most part, the, the wait list for pits is long. It's not yes. something that you can just click and go buy one. Um, how did you manage that and, and expand your capacity? Well, um, we had always wanted to, to buy a second pit. So fortunately, gosh, over a year ago, we had gotten on the list with uh, Sunny. Um, it wasn't going to be ready in time uh, for all this, but uh, we did get it this past January, so we were able to upgrade. Um, it was a couple of months of like really struggling with just one pit. Um, you know, we're not. You know, I never. I don't think we'll ever own more than two thousand gallon pits. Like, the whole point of this restaurant is not to be a circus and run twenty four seven. So. Um, that was the goal. We were going to get there. It was going to come one way or the other, but um, but it's been good. So yeah. So also a long expansion. Um, you're adding a little bit of space here. As we well. are adding a little bit of space. Um, there's a small suite next to it that's been empty for forever. It's been a storage area, and uh, the landlord, the guy who owns the property, David, uh, super nice guy, he's uh, letting us take over the space and it'll allow us to add a few more seats, probably about 20 more seats get a little more interior space because our restaurant's pretty small on the inside. And uh, it's going to let me add my favorite thing in the world, uh, some draft beer to the menu, which uh, is going to be cool because uh, I love good beverages, adult beverages specifically. And so it would be nice to have some good beers to pour alongside our barbecue. 
Awesome. Well, we know you've got to get back to work. We'll, we'll ask you a couple quick little questions, and then we'll let you go. So sure. You've, you know, you're clearly a fan of barbecue. You know, you've, you know, you talked about your, your experiences that inspired you. What's a place you haven't been yet that you, you just can't wait to get to the next time you get a chance to do another little barbecue tour? Um, so right now, I guess the top three on my list of places I would like to visit that we haven't had the opportunity to visit is uh, Evie Mays. Um, I never make it out that part of the world, so it's been on the list for a while. I'd love to go try their food. Um, Armis is somebody that I kind of follow from afar and their restaurants and uh, you know it looks like they do great work so really excited about trying their food um, I want to go down to Vera's in Brownsville oh and yes eat yeah. proper barbacoa um, haven't had the chance to do that so that's another one that's on my big list of uh, places to visit um, you know there's a lot of new places I got to go check out like I haven't made it to Hurtado's or to Goldie's um, I've been to Truth and Brenham num- numerous times, but I'd love to go check out the Houston location. Uh, while in Houston, there's a million other places to go visit, Blood Brothers, um, Tejas. I've had the, the sausages, you know, smuggled to me, uh, <laughs> the Chilorino sausage, yes, yes. but I need to get down there and go experience it and uh, check out the place. So. That's, yeah. that's all right. Last time we ate at Interstellar, as soon as we left here, we drove to Lubbock that night. Wow, that's cool. And so, and so, yeah, Abby Mays was our next meal after Interstellar. So, yeah, the great, you know, great places to visit. All of those, you know, Brownsville, one of our favorite places to go to is Vera's. Just that, you know, yeah, they're, time they're, capsule that it is. They're all places that inspire me from afar. Like, watch their food and watch what they're doing, and you know, just marvel at the cool stuff they that they make and how they do it. So. Yeah, and the, the historical aspect, along with the, the lack of change, which is yeah. which is amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a big part of barbecue. I think. I mean, it's like. There's history that has to be honored. It's it's cultural, you know. So you got to go check out these places that are doing old school stuff. Okay. So, you know, you've done the uh, the Space Cowboy series, which is collaboration, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, with with Small and Big. And who is somebody that you would like to cook with that you haven't cooked with yet, or someone that you'd like to have in here that you haven't had here yet? Well, I've been trying or to both. get I've been getting trying to get the guys from uh, from Koi Barbecue in here for a while. Uh, COVID has not been my friend. <laughs> when it comes to scheduling some people. Uh, so I would really love to cook with those guys because their food looks badass. And I love the that that flavor profile, that point of view. Um, you know, I would love to cook with some of the, the old school cats. Like, I would love to cook with uh, the whole team over at Snow's, Clay and Tootsie and... Um, I would having having a collaboration here would be really yeah. I don't know if I can get them over here, but we'll we'll see. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those are people that I mean. Anybody who inspires me is somebody I would love to cook with. I mean, the the team from Vera's, uh, Evie Mays. um, I would cook with Aaron Franklin. I mean, he's like the godfather of barbecue around here. It's like it'd be badass to cook with him for a day. Uh, So yeah, there's a ton of people. Very cool. Well, congratulations on all the success. I mean, you guys have really been pushing to. You know, to put out the best food you can for a long time and it's it's great that the you know this business has changed for you and it's, you know it's changed for your staff and you know we're, we're excited to see you know what the next couple of years have in store for you guys Me too. we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. considering the last two years i have no idea what the next two years yeah. Yeah. none of us so, do. Yeah. so. so we're, we're excited to get to eat uh, we did have one of the, the we did snag one of the pork belly burn-ins off the how could table. you not yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'd be disappointed if you had <laughs> yes you know we were like you know leaking it off of our fingers uh, as well. So let's uh, get cleaned up. We'll shut this down and we'll eat some barbecue. Yep. Get out to Interstellar and you can follow them on Instagram at Interstellar BBQ. 
um, check out their, their website to see the menu and, and make plans to get out here. It's a very doable. The line is, there's going to be a line, but it's not crazy. You can, you know, you can get food. You can get the, the pork belly any day of the week that they're open. Okay. And that is going to be Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah, Wednesday through Sunday. Um, we're open from 11 to, f- to 5 or sell out. We, we try to make sure that we have food to 5 as close as possible. And that's fantastic. Um, yeah. That's the goal because we, we like seeing some of those um, those latecomers show up. And that's when some of our regulars sneak back in. I was going to say, like a, a Wednesday at probably 3 o'clock is Yeah, a, Wednesday and Thursday is a sweet spot right now if you want to yeah. get in a little bit easier without dealing with the wait. I mean, we always have a, a, a line of some sort when we open up. But um, for Wednesdays and Thursdays, if you get in here at 3, you've got pretty good menu options, and it's pretty chill. So, All right. All right. Well, thank you again. Congratulations. Number two, I thank mean, that is that is a monumental achievement in these, these days and ages. Um, Well-deserved. Can't wait to eat. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. And again, a huge thank you to our sponsor for this episode, the Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. Go to www.texasmonthly.com slash club to sign up for this great subscription, which gives you access to so much barbecue content. Check out all the Pitmaster interviews and videos when you become a member of the TMBBQ Club. When you support our sponsors, you support us and help us keep bringing you more interviews and episodes from the best cooks and pitmasters from all over Texas and beyond.